Hello and welcome to Speculum, a show where we op- open up and inspect the most sensitive topics in medicine. My name's Alyssa, and I'm just a medical student trying to make the healthcare community a brighter place. Today with me, I have Chase. He is a colleague and friend of mine who is a volunteer with Hope Outreach here in Kelowna. Hi, Chase. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Perfect. Uh, do you want to tell me what you do with Hope Outreach, Chase? Yeah, so um, I I've, I started volunteering with them last year, and I I do outreach, uh, handing out Narcan kits, which are naloxone kits, which are for uh, reversing op- opioid overdoses, and then I also hand out harm reduction supplies. Um, so. I we go out in groups of us and we hand out these supplies to people who use drugs downtown. Uh, we walk around the streets and just ask if people need any any clean needles or clean smoking supplies as well as the Narcan kits. And that's about it. That's really neat and very important these days with all of the issues that we've been having with opioids on the streets these days, hey? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue all the time. So right, and the the need is definitely going up. We we we've seen um, people are definitely using them a lot when we go and hand them out. Uh, it's pretty common to hand them out to people who have used one of the kits the same day. Mm. I'd say maybe every every other time we go out, someone's used the kit that day. So it's when you go out, you really see how prevalent it is it's kind of this hidden world that you don't otherwise run into um on your day-to-day life but yeah see I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing like you know mixed reactions like it's really good that these people are getting the resources that they need in this time um but also really disappointing about how much they're being needed yeah for sure it's uh I feel the same way whenever I go out you you want to get all these kits out there and you want to be able to help these people but at the same time you kind of hope that no one wants one or needs one because um yeah it's it's just kind of a band-aid to the bigger problem for sure okay i want to talk a little bit more about um exactly what you do as a volunteer uh, a little bit later but for people that don't know could you give a little bit of uh, some general information about Hope Outreach um, what they were created for and what they do in general? So Hope Outreach they're a not-for-profit organization that started a couple years ago here um, and it's run by the main um, Angie, who's the kind of runs the whole thing, and some other people, and it's it's mostly a women's organization, to be honest. I think I might be one of the only males who volunteer um, for them, but their main mission statement, or what Hope stands for, is helping out people exploited, and their main goal is to help women on the street who are being exploited. Um, and they do that in a few ways. So their main way is they do outreach nights, um, I think pretty much every night of the week now. And they have um, groups of women who go out and talk to women who are living on the street. And they 
give them supplies, any sort of um, supplies they might need, hygiene products and things like that. Um, and then they also do things like recording bad dates. Um, so if one of the girls has gone on a date that was unsafe, um, they'll record that information and pass it on to other girls on the street. And they just um, keep a bit of a tab on some of the girls just to make sure they're safe um, and can kind of ask and help them out in whatever way they can. They also give out chocolate bars and water and things like that, which uh, are always appreciated. And whenever we go out with our Narcan, people are always asking us as well if we have that. But um, the Narcan thing is a little bit different, what I do, and that's for both the women and the men on the street, whereas most of what Hope does is just for women. So there's that part where they do the outreach on the street, and then they also... Um, they run what they call the House of Hope, and that's um, for people who are seeking um, shelter, I guess, from uh, if they're living on the street and any woman who has been exploited or um, is looking for shelter, they take in, and it's a house where they pay quite cheap rent, and they have um, people there where it's it's just a safe space. They try and keep it as safe as possible and um they have women coming through there all the time. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned bad dates. What exactly do you mean by that? Um, so if women are working on the street, um, if they're in the sex trade, then um, some, you know, when a lot of the people who are on the street, they, um, they may get into a car and feel unsafe if they, if they go out on... Um, what they would call a bad date um, where someone just doesn't feel right or maybe doesn't pay them um, for their services or something like that then um, or if they're assaulted or anything like that there's not a lot of repercussions sometimes for these um, predators I guess because and, of the work that they're doing yeah exactly it's uh it's not there's not a lot of obviously regulations or um, a lot of safety nets in place for them so it's can definitely be quite risky and um, so that's one way that they can try and mitigate that is just recording so if if they go out on a bad date they'll record maybe you know this this guy with this license plate number or he's about this age or um, drives this color car mm -hmm. And then because it's hard to get probably police attention for these kinds of situations, what happens to these reports then? So they're, they're not, um, and I'm, I'm not totally qualified to speak to this because I, this is sort of a service that's for women by women. So I, I don't, um, take part in any of this, but from what I understand, it, they just keep it, it's totally confidential within hope um if one of the girls wanted it to be reported i'm sure hope would um, be happy to sort of facilitate that process but if it if it's wanted to be kept confidential then i think they just keep it and we'll share it within the uh community of right. women downtown so that they can kind of keep each other safe yeah exactly that's a great idea and is it uh right to say that hope is mostly run by volunteers it is yeah um 
I don't know. The House of Hope does have um, one woman or a few women who work there um, a little bit longer hours, and I, I don't know if they're paid or completely volunteer, but um, I know the house, they get um, quite cheap rent or um, very subsidized by someone who donates the house who owns it and um, all the outreach nights are also volunteers so it's just community members a lot of people who work in healthcare, so nurses or um, pharmacy students or nursing students uh, from what I've seen are out there a lot and then also a lot of medical students yeah. seem to be out there as well yeah it's really neat before I actually knew about them I live downtown, but before I knew about them, I I didn't see them, and now I see them everywhere. So I'll just be, like, walking around downtown. I'm like, oh, there's the pink sweater, Hope Outreach, doing some harm reduction. It's great. So um, you personally, how did you um, get involved with Hope Outreach? Um, so I, I started, I guess, uh, when I moved to Kelowna, I've felt like I maybe wanted to do something um, engaging with people who are homeless around here. And um, Angie, who is kind of the CEO of Hope, gave a, our class a talk uh, and just mentioned what they did. And I thought it sounded really cool. So I went and talked to her and kind of got involved through that way. Now I feel like a bad student because I was in that class and I don't remember this talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just a short 10-minute talk, I think. But Fair enough. Yeah. I do remember her talking during Flex Day, though, and that's when I was like, oh, that's what, that's what Chase does. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, so you've mentioned harm reduction a few times, and I'm not sure if this is something that you can speak to, but has there ever been talk about... Um, safe injection sites rather than just handing out harm reduction supplies? Yeah, so they actually, they do have some safe injection sites around Kelowna. Um, they're a little bit transient, so the services are um, definitely not consistent for people, but they have, um, there's a outreach van that people can go to, and that's a safe injection site. And then they also have a new shelter that's just opened up that's quite a low barrier shelter where people can also use drugs there and they have people on hand that are trained to use naloxone and um, people can go there as well. Right. How do we know where this van is? Like someone that might need it. Um, so it's downtown and it generally, so it used to be mobile. I My f facts are a little fuzzy here, but... I've, right now, it's usually parked out behind Outreach Urban Health. So that's on um, just up if you go up Water Street. And uh, do you know what that, what's that other street? Just one <laughs> block north of the highway. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just behind Outreach Urban Health. They've got a little parking lot in the back. And it's, um, it's open not... Not a, a ton of hours, but uh, right. sort of they hit those, the high use hours at least. Is that just because they have trouble staffing it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's volunteer staff or if it's, right. um, or if it's paid staff, but it's through Outreach Urban Health, which has a number of nurses and some doctors who work there. 
Uh, um, and yeah, I don't know. I have to go check it out sometime, I guess. Yeah, I will, because I haven't seen it before. Um, was there any resistance from the community when that uh, kind of opened up? Because I know that a lot of the a lot of times when uh, safe injection sites are proposed in certain cities, there's a lot of public backlash because of the stigma around drug use. Do you know if there was any of that? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm I don't really keep up with that, but. I imagine there was because I know, like you said, with most safe injection sites, there really is a lot of stigma and people don't want it, especially people who live in, in those areas or those neighborhoods. There's, um, you know, people have this feeling that it's going to bring more drug use to their neighborhood and more crime and things like that, which I really, I really think studies haven't shown to be true. And it does actually reduce the number of, you know, needles found on the street and um, it reduces crime a lot of the time. So I don't know that there's been backlash, but I do know that I think they often don't advertise widely if there is a new site mm -hmm. open or uh, whatever else. So it's, it's partly, yeah, when you're opening up something like that, you don't want to just be sharing with everyone because I think sometimes that's the way that people will start petitioning against it or yeah. something like that. So there is a lot of misinformation about kind of what the safe injection site is going to do to the community that it's in, I guess. And that's why people kind of fight against it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe this is a bit of a heavy question, but uh, do you, besides what you've already said, do you have any information that the public can have about why these in safe injection sites are overall good for the community? Yes, uh, definitely. So they've done a lot of studies on what the result is when they put these injection sites in. And I think Insight in Vancouver was one of the, the first ones to do that. Um, but consistently they're do really well at um, reducing disease transmission because they're supplying these harm reduction supplies that otherwise people often aren't using. Um, so reducing things like hepatitis transmission or HIV transmission. Um, they also reduce um, overdoses because they have those staff on hand to either reduce overdoses or mitigate the effects if someone does have an overdose. So the staff on hand are trained to administer naloxone and they'll call 911. And the main thing is just being there to supervise and see that someone's overdosing in the first place. So when people aren't using these sites, they're often injecting somewhere like a bathroom stall or in a, you know, an alleyway where people aren't going to come across them if they do overdose. And so that can be really dangerous if they're using drugs on their own. Um, and then also just having those clean supplies. So um, otherwise people are sharing needles or sharing their, their if, if they have crack pipes, um, a lot of the time those get dropped and they, they're these glass pipes that have got these sharp little edges that people are smoking out of and they're burning their lips and they've, so they're sharing these crack pipes with bleeding lips between people, um, and just what they use to cook their heroin sometimes can be also 
not that sanitary. So in a in a supervised site, they can definitely reduce the number of infections that way. So good for the person that's using the drugs and good for everyone around them too, hey? Yeah, for sure. So if they're not getting all these diseases, then that's reducing the cost on the healthcare system. And then also they're not leaving sharp needles kind of around in the city parks or wherever else if they've got somewhere where they can go and use that. Definitely. And also, um, I think a benefit that a lot of people like is they're not on the streets or in the parks using drugs. So, um, yeah, that's also another benefit. Right. Super important. That's great. So going back to what you do specifically, mostly handing out naloxone, yes, Narcan, as other people might know it. Um, Could you give, you've kind of already alluded to it, but for people that maybe don't know, haven't been listening to the news, can you give them a bit of a rundown on what naloxone is? Yeah, so it's a a drug that um, it reduces the effects of um, any opiate that you might have in your system, or it reverses those effects. So uh, the big one on the streets these days is fentanyl, um, which has been, it's been coming up in more and more drugs lately. So people, originally it was uh, mostly in heroin, it, they'll put a bit of fentanyl in there. And the fentanyl is basically a, just a really strong version of heroin. Um, but now it's also, you find it in other drugs like cocaine or meth, um, just because it, you know, traces just get into, mixed into different drugs. And so because the fentanyl is so strong, it's, it's really hard to um, adjust the doses and people can get much higher doses than they anticipate. And from that, they'll overdose. Um, and so what the Narcan does is it blocks the effects of fentanyl or heroin or any other opiate. And it comes in a few different forms. In Canada or in BC, what we get is these injection kits. And so that you um, inject the naloxone into someone who's overdosed and it will block the effects of the fentanyl for uh, a small amount of time, enough time for them to kind of wake up again and hopefully get transported to the hospital where they can get more definitive treatment. Um, also, so the police also carry um, naloxone. They have the in, um, nasal sprays of that. So. Um, and that's what they have in the States as well. But basically, it's it's become quite widespread in the uh, homeless community, I guess. Everyone, sort of, you'll see these people carrying around these kits with a little cross on them, little um, black kits. They generally just clip them onto their um, belt loops. And it's amazing how many people nowadays are carrying them around just because the overdoses are so common and... Um, it's, it's a life-saving device for these people. It's, um, and a lot of people are saving someone's life once a month or more often. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a pretty big problem and it's the Narcan kits are pretty valuable solution. I guess it's a pretty amazing kind of community that they've got too, though, that 
everyone carries these kits, even if, like their kit is not going to help them if they overdose and they're by themselves, right? So it's really all these people carrying these kits to save someone else's life should they come across them. Like that's a pretty amazing sense of community. It is. Yeah, I'm always amazed when I go downtown and talk to people, the sense of community that's down there and how much people look out for each other. So um, I think a lot of people, when when I talk to friends or other people, um, they think that, oh, you're just giving out these kits to drug users to save themselves. But when I go down and hand the kits out, a lot of the people aren't, they don't use drugs um, but they just like to have a kid around just because they've seen so many people or heard of so many people die. And uh, it's such a simple way to be able to save someone. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking on that, uh, can you kind of describe what a typical night handing out Narcan looks like for you? Yeah, so it, it really varies. Um, night to night just um, depends on the time of day or the time of the year. But usually... We'll be four or five of us. We'll get together. We'll meet downtown and we'll kind of share supplies. So we all have a bit of like a few Narcan kits and some uh, clean needles and all the other things. And then we'll walk up and down the streets um, and maybe go into some of the shelters and just ask people if they would like a Narcan kit or any harm reduction supplies. And if they do, then... We will teach them how to use it if they haven't used one before or if they just need a refill because they've used their old one, then we'll just kind of give them a a refresher um, and let them know, kind of teach them anything that they're a little bit fuzzy on. And so we'll, it's usually, it takes about an hour or so. Um, Sometimes it's half an hour, sometimes it's two hours, depending on how busy it is downtown. And we'll hand out anywhere from maybe five on a quiet night to 15 Narcan kits on a busy night. And then the harm reduction supplies will hand out usually five or 10 of those as well, the little injection kits or the smoking kits. Right. And you've kind of already alluded to this, but what are kind of the, the attitudes of the people on the streets when you're going around handing out these kits? That's a good question. Um, Overall, it's actually very positive, and that's something... So when new people come out and want to hand out kits, it can be a little bit intimidating just going up to people and saying, hey, do you want an Arcan kit? Um, Because the connotation with that, I think, is, oh, you look like a drug user, and people don't want to be going around labeling people and saying that. But uh, when people come out, I think... Uh, a lot of people have been really surprised at how receptive everyone is to it. And it's quite rare to have someone be offended just by um, asking them if they want a kit. And people most of the time are actually really excited. Um, if they have a kit already, they'll say, no, thanks. Um, but thanks so much for being out here. It's really valuable. And other people who haven't had a kit before are really excited to learn how to use them because... They've heard a lot about them, and uh, they can be, yeah, quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Back to that community sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a yeah, super tight knit community, and um, especially when you go out more and more, you start to really you get to know people a little bit more, and 
Um, if you spend a few minutes just talking to people, it's pretty cool the stories you'll hear um, about how how close everyone is. Right. Have you had any like specific special moments that you'd want to share? Um, yeah, I think honestly, just every time I go out, I'm pretty amazed by um, how receptive people are and how interested they are in learning. Last, uh, I guess yesterday I went out and um, talked to a guy. He was super interested and um, he hadn't actually even heard of the kits before, but he'd done a lot of first aid training and he was really eager to help out because he'd, he'd just moved here. And um, just the fact that someone who doesn't use drugs would spend half an hour learning from me how like all about all the nuances of this kit and he was asking all sorts of questions i thought yeah it's it just shows that someone would want to spend that long for just to help other people that they not might not necessarily know is Mm -hmm. pretty cool and that's it's not a unique story it's pretty much every time we go out something like that yeah that's amazing but at the same time i've been out with you and i know that you (laughs) because I've seen it. I know that you get the occasional person that says, well, no, we shouldn't, you shouldn't even be giving those out. Those kind of people should just, we should just let them die. Uh, How do you deal with those kind of people and like kind of the stigma that still exists around what you do? Yeah, that is really hard. Um, There is the odd person who, who really is against that. And um, you kind of just have to let it roll off your back and um, you know, those people, you can't judge them for having those views. So I, I tried just let it go. And hopefully there's other people who do want the kits. And because the responses are so overwhelmingly positive, you just having those few negative interactions, you just try not to let it get to me too much. For sure. Totally fair, I think. <laughs> Don't really want to start a fight in the street. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, so back to some of the specifics about Narcan. I loved listening to your stories, though. Uh, but um, you mentioned a nasal spray. Yeah. And to me, that sounds a lot easier than giving people some vials and some needles and asking them to do injections. So what's the barrier to handing out? I assume it's going to be some sort of cost thing, but what's the barrier to handing out nasal spray to people rather than the injection kits? Yeah, honestly, I don't know because it seems like a, a nasal spray shouldn't be more that much more expensive than these kits. And to be honest, the kits can be um it's i mean they're not complicated but they're not simple either they take a few steps to open up these vials and suck up all the all the naloxone into your needle and then inject it um and there's there's a lot of ways it can go wrong along the way so in the future i'd like to think that there will be um the nasal spray available to the public but it just hasn't gotten there yet and i don't know I really don't know why. Sorry to hear that. Not that you, not sorry to hear that you don't know why. Just sorry to hear that it's not currently an option. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know. Hopefully it will be soon. Yeah, for sure. So besides the people that you see on the street, um, who do you think should have a naloxone kit? 
Um, I think just anyone who either uses drugs or um, knows someone who uses drugs, so, so specifically who uses um, opioids. Um, and so a lot of the people we're missing, there's a lot of people who aren't on the street that um, we don't see that are still using heroin. And so they, I think, really should have them because it's so unpredictable. There's a lot of um, variability these days in the potency of drugs. So hopefully they would uh, go and pick themselves up some uh, kit themselves. So that's also something I'd like to know for these people that aren't on the streets, but maybe are involved in a drug using community. Where can they get a Narcan kit if they want one? So they can go to, I'd have to clarify this, either they have to go to their doctor, or I think more likely they can actually just go to the pharmacy and request one. And if they identify as a drug user, they will get one for free. Um, the policies around this are changing a little bit. And I know in the past, others had to pay 60 or $80 for the kit. Um, but if you go to some some pharmacies, I think um, we'll give you them for free. I, I, I honestly, I'd have to check it, uh, check my facts. But the one place, at least in Kelowna, they have Outreach Urban Health, and there you can definitely get a kit um, for free. For free, okay. Because yeah. sixty to eighty dollars—that's a pretty steep price for people that maybe you know, needing them once every few weeks, these people that are using them all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot. And that's why I think the the government has really tried to reduce the barriers to having these kits. Um, the 60 to $80, I think, in the past was for um, maybe people who the government didn't see as being at high risk, but were wanting the kits anyways. Um, but they have always tried to provide free kits to anyone who is a drug user. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of finding where to get them. And I, I think that's one of the main problems is even when where we hand out the kits, we're only ever a couple blocks away from Outreach Urban Health that these people could get the kits at as well. But uh, people just don't know where to get them a lot of the time or it's not really on their mind. So having us out there kind of... Um, being right there, able to give them the kit on the spot is, I think, helpful for them. Mm -hmm. What do you think we could do to spread the word about how to get Narcan or Naloxone if you need it? Because I feel this isn't something that's commonly known. Yeah, um, I guess more more just posters and advertising would be helpful in, in doctor's offices or in pharmacies things like that, um, where people would see them and think, oh, maybe I should just pick one of those up as well, mm -hmm. because no one likes to think that they're going to overdose, but it, it's, uh, it just happens randomly, and yeah. a lot of the time people aren't prepared. For sure. I think it's getting a little bit better, the kind of um, public awareness of at least what naloxone is, if not where to get it. But I know in like certain hotspots, like on the university campus, they occasionally have, you see posters around about naloxone training nights um, people can go to to get naloxone and learn how to use it. So maybe getting a little bit better, but could be 
better still. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, even what I've noticed from when I started doing this a year ago um, and then now is how many more people are trained to use them. So when I first started, I felt like I was training every other person and spending 20 minutes or half an hour with these people every time I'd want to give a new one out. Whereas nowadays, so many people have had the training and they're aware. And I, I'll usually try and just give them a quick refresher um, of all the key important points. But for the most part, they all already know what the kits are and how to use them and all that. So the the knowledge in the public is definitely increasing. Right. Uh, so this might be a weird thing to do over kind of audio, but let's say that someone has never seen a naloxone kit before and they're in a situation where someone has one and they have to use it. Can you give like the very basics of what to do with a naloxone kit? Yeah, if you if you came across someone who is overdosing, the first thing you want to do is just make sure they're overdosing. So um, they would maybe be look a little bit blue. They might be making gurgling sounds or not breathing very much, uh, because when you have an opioid overdose, your brain sort of forgets to tell your body to breathe. So um, they, their low breathing rate is going to make you a little bit concerned. They're kind of looking asleep, and so you want to stimulate them. And we usually tell people to do a sternal rub or rub your knuckles on their chest. And that, that should hurt. And the person should wake up at that point. Um, if they're not waking up in response to pain, then you know something's wrong. And at that point, you're going to call 911 to get some help on the way. Um, then you can open up the kit and um, you'll see in there is um, a handy sticker on the bottom. And it's got what's uh, what's called is the save me acronym so it stands for stimulate and call 911 is the s the first step and then a is airway and v is ventilate so sav um, so you want to give them a few breaths to get some oxygen back to their brain and then e is evaluate of save um, so see if they're waking up or getting better and if they're not then you go on to m which is muscular injection and that's where you're giving the naloxone and then reevaluate. So in the kit, um, you're going to open it up. The airway and ventilate, there's actually a mask in there so you can ventilate the person safely. Um, it's just like a little plastic barrier so you don't get their split, spit or vomit in your mouth. Um, and then you're going to, after you've given them a few breaths, you've got this little... Um, glass ampule in there and it's got one milliliter of naloxone and you've got a needle in there as well so you're going to break the ampule open suck up the naloxone with the needle and then you would just inject it in their butt or their thigh or their arm wherever is accessible uh, in a big muscle and then after you've injected it you want to keep breathing for that person because that's what's uh, going to kill them is having that lack of oxygen to their brain. And then usually, hopefully, they'll wake up within three to five minutes. But if not, they've included in that kit a second and a third vial and a second and third needle. So you would uh, give that as well if they've taken a really large dose and they're not waking up. And then... Basically, you're just going to stay with the person, keep uh, breathing for them if they're not breathing. Once they start breathing for themselves, 
just let them know what happened and wait for the ambulance to arrive. And And then they're taken to the hospital and just taken care of there until the overdose kind of ends, right? exactly. Right. Thank you. That was very helpful for anyone that might ever catch themselves in that unfortunate situation. Yeah, and if if anyone's ever interested in learning more there, there's some good online resources so you can go to toward toward and they have a lot of online training videos and uh there's like a little module and a quiz you can go through and get your your online certification on using narcan and that's what they actually have um at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, they'll have everyone who comes in with an overdose, they try and get them to run through that uh, module. And then at the end of that module, once you have your certification, you can get your own Narcan kit. So everyone who's coming into St. Paul's with an overdose, they're leaving with a kit. That's really great. I'm so glad that you people are doing this. That's fantastic. So you've convinced us all. Uh, we all want to help. Let's say the community. We want to help. Uh, how can the how can people that are interested get involved in either volunteering or are there donations that Hope needs? Yeah, for sure. So um, Hope definitely is always accepting volunteers, and if you wanted to get in contact with them, you could always email Angie, the CEO, and she's usually pretty good at getting back to you, um, letting you know where their needs are. Um, So her email, I should check, I think is angie at hope-outreach.ca. Either way, you could could Google Hope Okanagan, Hope Outreach Okanagan, find their website, and you can see on there there's kind of all the services they provide as well as some of the supplies they might need. So contacting her and getting involved. And I, I think... The biggest barrier is just taking that first step for a lot of people. It's It can be intimidating. It's a whole, it's a different community, a whole different world downtown um, going on those outreach nights. And I, I think it's outside of a lot of people's comfort zone. But if you are interested in helping, I think just take that first step, send the email and sign up to go on an outreach night. And Great. Good to know. And as far as donations go, are they looking for money, um, clothing? You said chocolate bars. Do people donate chocolate bars? Yeah, for sure. So they're always looking for anything. Um, Money definitely helps to keep the House of Hope open. Um, And then also any food supplies that they can give out to the girls downtown. Uh, So they give out a lot of chocolate bars or um, things like that. And then also clothing or sanitary supplies, so things like toothbrushes, um, toothpaste, shampoo, tampons, things like that. Um, Any of those things, if you want to donate, they're happy to accept them. And you can just go to the Hope website to figure out where to drop it off. Perfect. One more thing, because we're going to be doctors, right, Chase? So one day, one day, (laughs) sooner than you might think, uh, how can, do you have an opinion on how, uh, healthcare providers such as primary care physicians and things can get involved in better care for the homeless population? 
Yeah. Um, that's a hard one. I think just first of all, being, um, I guess, per, like, I think the services for them, it can be very hard for them to find a primary care doctor or a family doctor. Um, a lot of people don't want to accept those people uh, for whatever reason. So I think accepting them, accepting them into your practice is definitely helpful or um, just recognizing the need there and being maybe a little bit more considerate if they're coming into the emergency and maybe realizing, you know, it's because they don't have the, that primary care provider that they they aren't able to go to. So they end up presenting to other areas, I guess, maybe more frequently than some people might like. And also, I think if you can get experience, I've found just working, doing the Narcan outreach and other work I've done with uh, people who are homeless, it's really just opens your mind up to their world and you get a bit of a better understanding on what's what's going on. So if you have a chance to do something like volunteering, uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Right. I imagine there's a bit of a barrier, though, for uh, people that live on the streets to approaching a physician and asking to be taken in as a patient. So what do you think that primary care physicians could do to kind of put themselves out there and make themselves known as being available to taking on them as patients. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could uh, definitely advertise that they're taking on patients and put up flyers downtown. Um, but I think also just working a day a week if you don't want them in their practice you could also go work a day at the week at somewhere say like urban outreach health outreach urban health downtown here um and just providing some support that way um yeah i don't know if that answers your question no that's great well that's all the questions i had chase thank you so much for being here with me today do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to share before we sign off no just Thank you for having me on your show. That was yeah, my pleasure. That was fun. Great. And to everyone that's listening, thank you so much for being here and hope to see you next time. Have a great day.